Finishing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Thank you very much, my fellow Americans. I am very proud to announce today that we have reached a deal to end the shutdown and reopen the federal government. In a short while, I will sign a bill to open our government for three weeks until February 15th. I am asking Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to put this proposal on the floor immediately. Over the next 21 days, I expect that both Democrats and Republicans will operate in good faith. This is an opportunity for all parties to work together for the benefit of our whole beautiful, wonderful nation. And now, Stacey Washington. (laughs) Yes, you hear me giggling because I think President Trump just executed a bit of fantastic stagecraft on the Democrats. If you're tuning in today because you think you're going to hear me whining and moaning about how Nancy Pelosi just beat the president, then you've tuned in to the wrong program. Of course, if you're tuning in for the truth and absolutely objective uh, commentary from the right with a biblical perspective, Christian worldview, then you're in the right spot. So glad that you're here and happy Friday to you. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the weekend. I'm hoping that even though they're predicting some really, really cold weather, uh, that we'll still be able to get a lot of things done in our to-do list as a family and me personally, because I have some things that have kind of gotten pushed to the side that I need to finish. And the weekend is a perfect time to do that, as well as resting, recharging, and getting in the pew on Sunday or Saturday, if that's your thing, for church. So what's on the show today? Well, we're going to be speaking with, uh, you know, Cesar Grijalas. He's a frequent guest of the program, and it's a perfect day for him to come on because he wants to give the Libre Institute's perspective on the latest with deferred action on childhood arrivals and immigration. And uh, so we just heard coming in, huge thanks to my producer, Devin, for pulling that. Um, It's really just like so fresh, that audio of the president in the Rose Garden talking about the deal that's been reached. And honestly, what choice did he have with the air traffic controllers operating in concert with the Democrats, with the TSA agents operating in concert with the Democrats? They were shutting down airports across the country. And that means snarling up business and inconveniencing Americans who don't work for the federal government. So it was smart for the president to say, you know what? You said I could have the State of the Union if the government was open. So let's have the State of the Union. You said I could have, uh, you know, a, a time to discuss a deal for border wall funding. So let's do a deal for border wall funding. So we're going to now see the rubber meet the road with the Democrats. We know, you and I know, sitting here, just as sure as I'm sitting here in black and paying taxes, that these people don't want to do a deal. They're not interested in coming together and, and formulating a plan for sealing the border. They hate Donald Trump, and the only thing they want to do is destroy his presidency. Now they're going to prove it. He's called their bluff. Nancy Pelosi, you want to postpone the State of the Union? Okay. Now you have to go ahead and schedule it, don't you? You can't schedule it for three weeks from now when the government might be possibly shut down again. She's going to have to actually schedule it for a time within the next three weeks. In fact, I don't see any reason why they can't do it on Tuesday. The Secret Service already said they're ready to, they're ready to go. Uh, so 
now we're going to see what's what what will happen now. Will the Democrats who many of them have flown home already, they're not even in Washington, D.C. to do their jobs. Uh, will they fly back? Will they take their private planes back to Washington, D.C. to get to work on this new opportunity to deal with the Republicans on border control? Uh, or, or are they going to stay in their home districts fundraising and going to cocktail parties and talking about impeaching President Trump and really show America what they're all about? So uh, we have some audio for you today on the show, as we as we always do. And we're going to go we're going to wind our way through the Democrats open and brazen dance with socialism. And we're going to talk about additionally on the program today what it takes to become a millionaire. You'd be surprised to learn what that is. Uh, and, and I'm not pulling your leg. When I saw this video, the first thing I thought was, okay, what's he going to say? What, 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 what does he mean what it takes to become a millionaire? And, you know, now that I'm no longer in my 20s and my 30s, I actually am not as enamored with the idea of being a multimillionaire or being quote unquote rich or, you know, the, they have the lifestyles of the rich and famous and all of that. Because everywhere that I look where I see wealthy people, not, not the regular everyday wealthy folks that you're not sure they're wealthy, but I mean the famous wealthy people, their lives are rife with turmoil, destruction, and issues that really, it doesn't look greener on the other side of that fence. And so I, I, don't, I don't have that anymore as something that, you know, everyone when they're young, they think, oh, everything would just be so easy if I was rich. But every status level in our society comes with its own unique set of problems and difficulties, which is why I found this video so interesting, because the fact that so many of us aren't rich shouldn't really be that big of a concern, because if you're satisfied, you can, you, you can have a million dollars and be dissatisfied. You can have 50,000 bucks and be totally satisfied and, and utterly happy. It's all in here. It's in, it's in your own mindset. But this video, I, it, it's from Prager University, and I just love what this guy has to say. So we're going to hear a little bit of that, and I'm going to tell you what he says the secret is to becoming a millionaire. <laughs> um, here's a hint. It's not what you expect. So first, I want to roll back in the Wayback Machine. I want to go back in time to Nancy Pelosi before... She totally lost all of her scruples, all of her integrity. This clip is so fast. You have to be listening closely and carefully because she's going to say something that in light of her current comments, you might find it shocking. She's talking about illegal aliens. Here she is in number one. About a couple of different issues. We're talking about, do we have a commitment to secure the border? Yes. Uh, what are the options that we have available to us? Let's make sure they work. Because we do, you know, while we need to address the issue of immigration and the, and the challenge we have of, of undocumented people in our country, we certainly don't want any more coming in. We certainly don't want any more coming in. So someone who said that, you would think she would want to make sure that the border was secure. Someone who said something like that, um, you would think that she's interested in possibly having an acceptable solution to make sure that no more illegal aliens can come into the country, especially since they're coming in and they're dying. Now, you might be thinking, well, she's under pressure from her party, her caucus, her, her, her fellow Democrats are not going to allow her to make a deal on this just because out of principle, they hate Donald Trump. He shouldn't be the president and therefore no deal can be made with him. 
Well, if you think they're organized enough to have a consensus about what it is that they want to do, the reason they want to do nothing is, is there's, there is no consensus. They have not sat down and, and said, look, if we get to a place where we need to negotiate with this guy, what do we want to do? What's our plan B? They have no plan B because they're assured of de- the destruction that is their, their plan for us. That's, that's the plan. The more chaos there is, the more illegal immigration, the more dead American kids there are, the more unhappiness flows through this country, the better it is for people who want to have centralized command and control over every aspect of your life, even whether or not you can attend the church that you like or your pastor can preach straight from the word of God. That's what they're going for. You don't get people to that point when they're healthy, prosperous, living on their own, controlling and commanding their own destiny in tune with their savior, operating uh, under the impression that the liberties that they have are God-given and that they can move and breathe with this constitution guaranteeing their, their freedoms. Those kinds of people don't want to be hooked up with Democrats. The Democrats are the party of the mentally ill and the victims. And so, you know, if you're not mentally ill and you're not a victim, what room do you, why are you over there? Why are you voting with those people? If you aren't mentally ill, they want to make you mentally ill with their policies. If you're not poor, they're going to help you become poor by hooking you up to the government and plugging you in so you can't escape. They want you to live in these infested cities where crime is high, gun ownership is low, taxation is super low, so there's no property value and there's no way to fund schools and and, and improvements. Everything that they advocate for, these super high taxes on wealthy people, which There is no way wealthy people are going to put up with that. All of those things are failed proposals that they're just, they they basically take out something old and rotten and failed and they wrap it in a new package and say, look at what I have. I have something new. It's not new. Socialism isn't new. Hundreds of millions of people have died at the hands of socialists. That's not new. If you say it's democratic, that, that makes it better. If your doctor said to you, you have cancer. And it's, you know, democratic cancer. Would you be like, oh, okay, never mind. It's democratic cancer. Thank you, doctor. I'm on my way. If he says cancer, you know what that means. It's possibly a death sentence. It means radiation and all kinds of other kinds of really invasive treatments to save your life. It's going to be expensive. It's going to derail your plans for the next six to 12 months. No matter how he describes it, if he says it's fluffy white um, marshmallow cancer, it's still cancer. That's the same deal with socialism. Socialism, whether it's democratic socialism or unicorn socialism or pink, fluffy, marshmallow socialism, is still socialism. And anyone who tries to tell you, well, of course, it's democratic socialism, ask them, oh, so would you prefer to have pink marshmallow cancer or would straight up black belt cancer be good for you? Pancreatic cancer or cancer of the liver? I mean, which of those cancers do you want? They will always say, I don't want cancer. And then you say, and I don't want any socialism. See how that works? It's so easy. So here is House Appropriations Chair Nita Lowy. It's a quick little soundbite where she explains that the Democrats have no consensus on how to secure the border. She actually says this to us. It's like truth week for the Democrats. First Joy Behar, now this chick, who I honestly, I had never heard of her before. It's number three. Well, I find that proposal that you're talking about is interesting, but there is no consensus right now. When the government is open, we will work together, 
hopefully in a bipartisan way, and I want you to know as an appropriator, I always work across the aisle, and then we'll come up with a plan that makes sense. Maybe, maybe there are some people who did not write the current bills and don't understand exactly what goes in those bills, but first we have to open the government. So how many times did we hear that this week? I'm surprised the Washington Free Beacon didn't do a mashup of how many times every single Democrat said we have to open the government first. So the president is calling their bluff. And and that's why, you know, my first instinct was obviously I, I didn't even realize there was a press conference going on because I was in the kitchen cooking. So I come back to my laptop. I realize that he's been in the Rose Garden. So I find a live stream and watch his brief remarks. And my heart just dropped into my feet. I'm like, not a dollar for the wall? What? Because the air traffic controllers are tearing things up? We can't find private air traffic controllers who work at, you know, towers in in private airports and just bring them in? We can't get around this? And then it hit me. First of all, did he not just say to Nancy Pelosi the other day, the separation of powers remands the, the, the control of the well of Congress to you and until it has been voted and, and I am properly invited and you say that has to be after the government is open, then I will postpone the State of the Union. So he, I, I believe he decided right then and there, we're going to send these two bills into, into the Senate, the Democrat one and the Republican one, and the Senate is going to try like their hardest to get it passed. And when the Democrats don't come over, we need eight of them, then those will have failed. That means we'll be at an impasse. And what can I do as the president? I only control one part of the three co-equal branches, what can I do? I can give them what they say they want. They say they will not give me funding for a wall until I reopen the government. 800,000 employees are hurting. The Republicans have voted to pay them. The Democrats have said, no, we want to hurt these people. We'd rather hurt them than make a deal. So I'll give you what you want. Have you ever been there with a kid or with somebody that you know that is, has the maturity of a child? Sorry, children. Some person that is just basically a nincompoop and everything they do is out to you know, ruin whatever you're working on. And they make all these demands of you. I'm not doing this until you do that. I'm not doing. And so what do you do if you're a parent or if you're working with someone like that? You give them what they've asked for. You're not going to work with me on securing the southern border and stopping the carnage and the human trafficking and the sex trafficking until I open the, the, the government? Let's open the government. Also, when am I doing the State of the Union? Also, when are you going to sit down with me to fix this problem? He still has the ultimate trump card in his back pocket, which is declaring a state of emergency. And after all of this, after giving in to them over and over again, if he were to do it now, what do you think is going to happen? They'll sue and they'll lose. He wins again. Let's see how it cracks out. We'll be right back with more after this. Who said this? Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. Hello everyone, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. I was quoting none other than George Washington, our first president and father of our country, who said specifically that religion and morality are indispensable supports for our government and our culture. We're going to be going to Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon, the home of George Washington, in June and September. If you'd like more information on this, please go to spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. We'll also be going to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. If you'd like to do both tours or one or the other, that's fine. For all the information, again, June and September, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. 
www.thepeopleshop.com. We'd love to have you during these 2019 tours. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I'm so grateful that my wife, Karen, is a stickler about eating right. As our kids were growing up, she made sure our kids ate nutritious, well-balanced meals. Now she's turned her attention to me. She gets after me a little bit about making sure I'm eating the right stuff. She loves me and wants me to take care of myself. Too many of us are building our lives on junk food. It tastes good, but it has very little, if any, spiritual nutritional value. The same was true in Jesus' day. That's why I love John chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. Jesus had just performed this incredible miracle of feeding 5,000 men with just a few loaves and some fish. That was amazing. They wanted to enthrone him right then, saying something like, anyone who can do this deserves to be king. But Jesus knew they were focusing on the wrong thing. He was saying, you need something better than this temporarily satisfying food. Notice what he says in John chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then in verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Here's what I want you to remember today. Jesus Christ is the main course in our diet. If you miss Jesus, you've missed everything. You'll be spiritually malnourished. But you don't have to be spiritually malnourished. There is satisfying bread for your soul. Come to Jesus, the bread of life, and he will fulfill your longings. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Find us online at Stacy on the Right. Uh, that's on all channels: Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, and hit the follow button. I'd love to have you there, connected up, and keeping track of everything that we're doing. Uh, and also, UrbanFamilyTalk.com and AFR.net are our channels for the radio. So uh, right now, I want to welcome a frequent guest of the program from the Libra Institute, Cesar Grijales. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me today. I'm um, apologizing in advance for the background noise. Oh, okay. So um, let's talk about this. It, it's interesting that your your guest spot today on the show coincides with this announcement about the president um, giving the Democrats what they've been demanding, which is reopening the federal government without securing funding for the wall. Uh, What do you think about the development? Well, I mean, uh, two things. Number one, in terms of uh, immigration, for example, is a great opportunity right now in these three weeks that the government is going to be open since uh, the president announced that uh, he's going to open in the government in February 15th to renegotiate something that will give certainty, for example, to the DREAMers and also to the TPS recipients. Uh, that is also something that uh, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham mentioned, <clears throat> that is uh, this opportunity to do that. So President, obviously, is uh, reopening the government because it's that necessity for many uh, federal employees to have also certainty about their payments and their jobs. But 
also security at the border is very important, it's very key, and I think it, Democrats have to pay attention to that and, and not only say no to what the president is, is asking for. I think it's, it's important for them to see and negotiate with the president and obviously create certainty for immigrants and, uh, and the dreamers, I'm sorry, and the recipients, but also to reinforce the border because there is a necessity there. And also to try to avoid another shutdown in February 15. So I hope the leadership of the uh, Democratic Party uh, in the head of Lancet Pelosi uh, reflects and then sits with uh, the leadership of the Senate to negotiate something before February 15 and then avoid what we just uh, happened to, to see during these days. So you mentioned that we need a solution for um, the the Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals recipients, but there's been a lot of discussion about the, the, the so there's a, a wide variance in that group of people. Some of them are people who were brought here as children, but some of them are individuals who didn't, they, they never signed up for DACA when they were given the opportunity to actually sign paperwork to ensure that they could be in the country lawfully, they didn't do it. Um, and so there's there's this kind of blanket application of the term DACA, but it's a it's really it's two or three different types of people who are here unlawfully. And I think while some Americans do think that, you know, hey, let them stay. They're already here. There are other Americans, such as myself, who I feel like a lot of them would probably be better off in their home countries, improving the home country so that everyone in South America wouldn't be trying to live in America. So uh, a lot of uh, surveys um, have shown that the uh, majority of the American actually support a certainty for uh, the dreamers or uh, uh, these people that was brought here to the country when they were my children. So <clears throat> to, to your point, look, uh, as a, an immigrant, I'm going to mention this. I think the immigration problem, yes, is not something that is the United States fault is something, and I agree with this, that is happening in Latin America. All this corrupt government, no finding solution for people uh, in their countries, force the people to look opportunities in other places. Now, the United States, like it or not, we had laws on immigration. Uh, it has to be improved the immigration system, yes, but we have laws. So I agree also when the people get mad and they, they see people trying to cross the border. But I can't blame the people, uh, most of them, I won't, say, I won't say all of them, but most of them, that they're trying to find opportunities because they're desperate and looking something for their families. Now, the, the, going back to the point of the dreamers, these, these kids that are here, that are actually no kids anymore. More of them, dearly of them, are adults, young adults, 14. <clears throat> they were brought here as a kids. They don't have any decision rights in, a, in, a, in, a, in that moment. So... Many then don't even speak, for example, Spanish. They speak English. So sending them back to the country that was probably forcing them to to a failure life. My my point of view is uh, providing them the certainty in the country to continue paying uh, taxes in the country and contributing to the nation, obviously uh, through a through a through a process. So because also there is certain um, worriness for other people. Who, uh, waiting to get uh, uh, legality in the country. 
So my understanding is the president, for example, last year and this year, <coughs> the offer last year, I'm sorry, that he made at the beginning of January 2018 is give it up to 1.8 billion, if I'm not mistaken, of dreamers the possibility to legality in the country. Some people approached to me and said, so is that going to happen fast or is it going to take time? It will take time. And and I spoke to many dreamers that I know. And you know what they say? They don't care about how many time it takes. Is this 10 years or 15 years to become a, a, a U.S. citizen? As well as they have seen certainty and continue working in the country that for them is their country because they grow up here. So, but why should they be citizens? Is my question. Why not permanent resident status or green cards? Because what you're talking about, it sounds it sounds wonderful. Let's everybody be nice. Anyone who's already here can stay. But what happens is every time we do that, that means other kids in South America know. Well, if I can just get there and get get inside the country and grow up there and speak English then I'm going to get to be an immigrant too. And that's, there's millions of people across the globe who want to be Americans and they're going about it the slow way, filing for uh, an application to become an immigrant and paying lots of lawyer fees and traveling in and out of the country and, you know, basically following the rules. And what you're doing is you're advocating for people who, sure, their circumstance is that they didn't decide to come here, but they're benefiting from being here and their demand to be citizens on top of breaking the law when they came in and being taken care of lock, stock and barrel by people like me who I'm an actual citizen. I didn't emigrate here and I have been paying taxes that help support the dreamers, as they're called, which I, I don't know about you, C Caesar, but my kids are dreamers. I have three kids. And they're dreamers. They dream to serve this country and to not, not be killed by illegal alien crime and to be able to pay taxes into the system and not have the government chasing them around or wasting their tax dollars on things that should not be happening. They dream to follow the law here and grow up and grow old and raise a family. My kids have dreams, too. So this idea that this particular group of people should be given special treatment is an insult to my kids. There are more dreamers in this country ju than just the ones who were brought here illegally. So to your point, uh, look, <clears throat> so I agree with you in some point is that uh, uh, even the, the Libra Institute have said loudly, look, if there is no attack citizenship, that's fine. As long as it's some sort of certainty for these people, again, it's, it's a matter of uh, being uh, compassionate. The United States is a compassionate country. We don't, are not talking about just uh, giving uh, amnesty to everybody who is already here and documenting. No, this is a special case. The same thing for the TPS recipients. This is people that the, the, the Congress has been renewing uh, their permits to stay in the United States for the past 20 years. Many of them, they already own uh, businesses, they had uh, their kids that, that were already born in this country, and in order to renew their permits, for example, they have to do the background check every two years. So we already know these people is, is a good people, otherwise the government will deport them in the past. <clears throat> so I, I, I agree on the point that I don't, in, in my case, in my personal case, I do not... Uh, demand citizenship for the people or will demand or don't agree with people who demand citizenship for uh, the dreamers. But I will 
I will support or um, we support it through the Libre Institute some sort of legality and not leave it in the, in the limbo uh, then on, and also the TPS restriction. So well, and, and so I'm, I'm fine with that. I, that's not my first priority, but obviously I'm fine with that. And the reason I'm fine with that is because I feel like if that were a concession that were given, then perhaps we could have a reduction in the amount of chain migration, a reduction in uh, some of the other numbers that we currently have where these people are not a benefit to our society. So when you say the DREAMers and uh, the TPS recipients, I'm willing to negotiate on those two points for concessions from the Democrats on the other points. But the issue that I'm seeing is we have a lot of advocacy on behalf of TPS recipients and DREAMers. We don't have very much advocacy from uh, think tanks and huge groups like yours on behalf of parents who've lost their children or their wives or their sons or their daughters or their parents to illegal alien crime. We had a lady on our show uh, yesterday, I think it was, or the day before, and she, it was actually, yeah, it was the day before yesterday. She came on, her name is Sabine Durbin, and she came on to talk about her son who was killed by an illegal alien who'd been deported multiple times. And had he been held, because she lives, she used to live in a sanctuary state, had he been held when he was apprehended the last time, he wouldn't have been out driving drunk and killed her son who was in law enforcement and on his way to work. And so I kind of, I just wish that the Libra Institute would also advocate on behalf of these family members. These, these are Americans. They're a part of our American experience and they had dreams too. She dreamed that her son would one day marry and that she'd have grandchildren. She only had one son. That's her only family member here in this country because she herself is an immigrant from Germany. She has no one now. She's completely alone and she has to deal with the knowledge that that man is still alive and running around and her son is dead. I just don't understand why organizations like the Libra Institute can't also support families like the Durdens and others. They're, they've lost so much to this issue. And to, to show that really the Libra Institute really cares about more than just people who are here, maybe through no fault of their own, but they're here illegally. No, we support, obviously, that uh, it is sad to listen to that story, obviously, and we support the family and we support Americans. I mean, we are Americans. I'm an American citizen. I became a U.S. citizen in 2015. Now, in order, just to clarify, in order for these people to apply for uh, a DACA, to become a DACA recipient, and let's say that the president makes some deals with the Democrats and then uh, there is some way of certainty, these people will have to apply uh, and do the background check, and we will know who is uh, a, a, a delinquent or something bad, someone bad. That person is going to get deported. And again, uh, I think the, the, in the border, we have to strengthen our border, definitely. We have to get kick out all the bad people, either regardless if it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, from the Hispanic community or it's illegal. We have to kick out these people of the country, of course, if they're killing people in our country. I agree with that 100%. And when I said that we support the uh, uh, DREAMers and we support the TPS, in the case of the TPS, just to mention again, these people have been doing the background check every two years. And then if the person does some kind of deal for the DREAMers, these guys will be uh, doing again the background check. And the people who fail the background check, obviously they can't qualify, they will be deported. So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm in agreement with that too. Okay, so I, and I, I hope you know I, you've been on the program before, and I appreciate you coming on from the Libra Institute, and I appreciate your time. 
but I have to ask you these hard questions, Caesar, because I have listeners in the audience who are very concerned about this issue. And when you say that America is a very compassionate country, we are. Uh, I have a lot of compassion for people who find themselves in circumstances where literally their parent made a mistake and now they're in limbo and they don't know what they're going to do. I have sympathy for that. But I do not have more sympathy for that situation than I do for my own countrymen, such as yourself. You are an American citizen. Therefore, you are my countrymen, too. And I have more sympathy for those who are already citizens. And my priority is the protection and safety of those people first. So I am compassionate, but I am compassionate after I care for my own. It's the same as my role as a wife and mother. I am compassionate to people who are not my family members, but my compassion to people who are not a member of my household is subordinated to the compassion and fervor that I have for my own husband and children. And so I have to prioritize things that benefit my husband and children over everyone else, even extended family members. My husband and my children have to come first. I also extend that same type of allegiance to Americans. Americans have to come first. Their needs, their wants, and their protection have to be elevated over people who are not American citizens. And I think there's a real, um, there's like a, a lack of understanding of that from Democrats. And I just, I, I understand that we need to be compassionate, but I think I've probably just been overexposed to the desire to be compassionate towards people who are in the country illegally. And I think the conversation is skewed in their favor and there's a lack of enforcement of the law in their favor and there's a direction, misdirection of our tax dollars in their favor. And compassion can be extended after my own people, which are Americans, after they are taken care of. And so I do hope that um, we can see a resolution to this that, that brings about some of the things that you said your priorities are. I agree. We do need to handle the situation with the DACA recipients and TPS recipients. But I think we need to do it with an eye towards protecting people like yourself who are actually American citizens as well. Caesar, thank you so much for coming on today. And I'm glad that we had this kind of conversation. Obviously, it's fantastic having this conversation again. Uh, I just to mention and to highlight, maybe people misunderstanding that the Libre Institute is not a, a, a nonpartisan organization. We do not endorse Democrats or Republicans. Mm. We care about different issues. This is an issue, immigration is an issue that we obviously <clears throat> care about. But also, yeah. just want to re re reiterate that safety and the border is also important for us. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you very much, Caesar. We'll speak to you again. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back with more after this. Life is never picture perfect. Human beings come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and abilities. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we think we're prepared, the unplanned happens all the time. It's how we respond to the unexpected that shows our true humanity. But many do not see the value of every human life. Too many are willing to discard those who don't fit the picture of perfection. Abortion destroys the chance to love and to be loved. We never know what will fill the frames of our lives. 
or how empty those frames can be when we allow exceptions. Every life is a gift. Learn more at www.radiance.life. My wife came home and told me that she was leaving me. At that point, I started trying that. I realized what I was doing to myself, and I came to Adult and Teen Challenge. My life is completely turned around, and I know that's all to the grace of God. If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, Adult and Teen Challenge can help. There are centers across the country, and you can find the one nearest you at 855-END-ADDICTION or at teenchallengeusa.com. This is Urban Family Talk. I'm Will Addison, director of Urban Family Talk. We desire to be a movement of time tellers. In 1 Chronicles 12.32, it says, The sons of Issachar were men who had understanding of the time, to know what Israel ought to do. In these perilous times, God is raising up a people of discernment who will see, pray, and act. We sound the alarm as watchmen. We cry aloud that God's people may be activated for His service. Join the movement at urbanfamilytalk.com. Fox on set. For the past few years, a trend in mobile devices is bigger, brighter screens. The problem? Bigger screens need more battery life, and more battery life means bulkier phones. OLED, or organic light-emitting diode, has been a solution. They put out bright colors and don't require as much energy as their LCD counterparts. They also don't require a backlight. OLED displays also offer some flexibility with shape, like the curved display on the Samsung Galaxy S8, though Samsung adds another layer of semiconducting film to get pixels to light up faster called AMOLED. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Apple may ditch LCDs and use OLED displays in their entire lineup of iPhones starting in 2020, and that Apple has been exploring micro-LED displays, currently too costly to bring to mass market. But using an OLED display in a new iPhone could bring other changes to the popular smartphone. It could let Apple break the mold of a flat-screened phone and instead offer something with a slight curve. With Fox on Tech, I'm Brett Larson, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Uh, we are going to skip over our audio that we want to come back with, and I want to go straight to the phones because we have a lot of people who uh, want to comment about the interview and the subject that we're discussing, which is the president's deal to end the shutdown for Three weeks, so it's a temporary funding resolution that is currently in the House of the Senate. It's being voted on the Senate right now. Uh, so let's go to Jacob in Alabama. Hey, Jacob, thanks for calling the show today. Uh, thank you for taking my call, sir. How you doing? Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty good. I'm. I'm. I refuse to be bowed and bent and broken and you know freaking out over this development because I think the president has a plan in mind. But you know, I, God is in control no matter what happens out out there in Washington D.C. Yes, absolutely, because basically uh, they're going to show their hand. They already overplayed it, but they're going to show it. But in, in line with the situation with Mexico and um, Guatemala and Honduras and all of that, see, this country was started by men, black men, white men, just men. It laid everything on the line. They lost farms. They lost everything. They lost, you know, so much. Now God is no respected person. The people in Honduras, Mexico, Guatemala, their people, God knows, they can do the same thing. They have to believe in God and stop believing in the United States of America. They use the United States of America as a God said, oh, they're so compassionate. No, God is compassionate, and he'll do the same thing for you. 
Y'all are just not willing to, to believe in God and put your life on the line. If you do, you'll get the same result. Well, thank you so much for that call and for the encouragement. And uh, you're right. I'm, I'm one of those people, I'm very patriotic, but I, I think we have to be careful that we don't idolize America and worship it. We have to be uh, cognizant of its place in our lives. We love living here. We think it's a great country. Um, it's it's a part of who we are, but it is not our ultimate source, the American government, the American experience, any of that. Uh, we have to we have to put it in its proper perspective, in its proper place. Um, uh, Daniel in Kansas. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. Hi, Stacy. Hi. I appreciate what you're doing. You're doing a great job. Uh, I just got a quick, well, I'll try to make it quick. Uh, comment on these these illegals. Um, six years ago, I got sick. I, I own my own business, and uh, the, my lungs collapsed, and, and I had to spend some time in the hospital. But when I come out, then you have a spin down that I had to pay a certain amount before, I, you know, I get any help. Mm. But I could go to uh, these doctor's offices, and they'd have illegals in there, and they didn't have to pay a dime and they got everything plus more than what I could get. And I've worked all my life here in the United States. And that's, you know, like you said, let's take care of America first. And then if we have extra, then, then we'll work on this other. But they're illegal, they're illegal. It's, uh, that's, that's wrong. And I don't see how we should have to pay for them. I, I agree. And, and I know, um, you know, it can tug at the heartstrings this discussion about people who were brought here illegally as children, but you know, life's hard. Like, like you just described, I don't see anybody starting up an Institute to advocate for people like you, you know, Daniel, you got, you, you have problems too. Life's hard for you too, but you're not going to get any sympathy or an Institute to kind of work on your behalf where people who are in the country illegally, there's all these multiple hundreds of millions of dollars a year spent on advocating for them. And I just, I just don't understand why their lives are so much more important or more consequential than the lives of uh, Daniel or my kids or any, any person in America who's struggling. And I'm not saying my, our kids are struggling, but the point is my kids are Americans. You know, um, it, it's, I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. Walter in Oklahoma, thanks for calling the show. Happy Friday. All right, thank you for taking my call. Um, sure. I just had a point about, you know, uh, hopefully um, what I expected him to do is expose the hypocrisy of the uh, Democrats mm -hmm. and yeah. take the gloves off. Like, um, I was hoping he would make a, a, a State of the Union address at the border and also drop the bombshell that it was the Democrats who voted not to have the workers paid and how Pelosi can, uh, Pelosi can get up there and say how she feels so sorry for them when it is because of her, uh, the Democrats both who voted against them getting paid. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I mean, what difference does it make? If they're going to get all their back pay after the uh, shutdown. <laughs> exactly. They still could get, get paid there. And, and then I think it's about the action that judges, they talk about impeaching the president everywhere you go. And why are they talking about impeaching activist judges? It's in the Constitution, and the uh, Republicans are wringing their hands. What to do, what to do? Oh, we can't do that because they do that, and that's my uh, comment. Mm, thank you so much, Walter. And I just want to point out, um, he does now have the ability to hold the State of the Union address, 
And maybe it won't be on Tuesday, maybe it'll be Wednesday or Thursday. But the point is, there's no reason for him not to have it now. And that's where he could present the facts that you just shared and so many others. It's time for the American people to hear from the president the truth, especially people who mainly get their news from CNN and MSNBC, who are completely snowed by the Democrats, just completely like like it's like taking candy from a baby. They're like that. They literally have no idea they're being lied to all the time. Uh, Hilda in Texas. Hey, happy Friday to you. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. And I respect you highly. Thank you for serving in the military. Thank you. Um, I want to expose the uh, left because they're terrified because they're, I'm going to expose them right now to America because they're terrified right now. Hillary and Pelosi and Obama and all mm-hmm. those Clinton. Yeah. I'm going to expose them to America because I want to let them know that um, President Trump is on America's side. Mm-hmm. And they're not on our because they're Illuminati. Ah, well. Whether they're Illuminati or not, they're definitely not for the American people, and they're not for a secure border. Hilda, thank you so much for calling the show. Uh, Randy in Missouri. Hey. Hey, Randy. How you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, Under President Obama, we had this program that was implemented called the United Nations Refugee Relocation Program. And according to Judicial Watch last year, um, in their findings, um, the program's still going on where we have periodically uh, plane loads of refugees being flown over, assumably uh, vetted refugees um, that are being flown over and located to various places around the country. Now, I know of 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 an NGO um, organization, and they say there's four shipments of refugees a year in Kansas City alone, Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, this this program's still going on. Apparently, at least it was last year, according to Judicial Watch. And um, you know, these people get benefits. They're signed up with SSI, um, you know, proper identification. Um, and uh, I don't think they've all been vetted medically. Um, I, I mean, I, it's uh, we, we've got things coming in to the country, well, how are they and they're coming, coming in from here because the president had lowered those refugee numbers. He lowered the refugee caps and all that stuff. So this is UN stuff that goes around what the president has set, like caps and numbers that he set. I'm I'm just saying that according to last year this program was still active. Now, if you go to the Josh Tully show, he has an interview with a lady that worked with the worked in Missouri where she was talking about this uh, for an hour long interview. Now that that goes back to April 17. The uh, the judicial watch information was was updated more. That was that was a that was uh, probably spring of last year. So, uh, but this, according to judicial watch, last year this program was still active. It's still going on. It's just under under the radar. It's a UN program. It's not U.S. law that's being followed. And uh, it's it's you know, I mean, what what can you do when your government's working against its own laws? Mm. Well. Um, 
I'm hoping that this will be one of the things that's addressed in their new deal that they're putting forward or putting together or getting together to make or whatever we're calling it. But the the negotiations that are about to begin between the Democrats and uh, the Republicans about the current issue. Um, I want to give you really quickly before we do a couple more phone calls we have. And if you want to join us, it's Open Line Friday. (laughs) I know that's not an original idea, but it is fun to do. Uh, 866-963-2037-866-963. 2037. And uh, I got a info piece from the White House. It says what you need to know. President Trump supports reopening the government now that the, the Democrats have finally agreed to negotiate, including barrier funding. So he got them to agree to negotiate on that. He's firmly committed to a barrier, including $5.7 billion in funding. Originally, Pelosi and the Democrats were unwilling to give a dollar to the barrier, but are now willing to negotiate on that number. It's up to the Democrats to stop obstructing and do their part to secure the border and protect America. Because of the president's actions, federal workers will be paid in the next few days. Congress will reopen the government immediately. And, um, you know, many prominent Democrats have said they will support barriers on our southern border. And he lists them all. And they're all Democrats. And there are let me just count it up real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Um 12 Democrats and half of them are senators and half of them are House representatives. So the president is clearly making the case. I can't wait to see what he says at the State of the Union. I'm, I, I've got to get my popcorn and my poptions and my so I can't eat the poppycock anymore because I'm you know currently reducing sugar and all of that. It's, and it's not like a short term thing. I've been on a sugar reduction thing for a couple of years now. And so sweetened popcorn that's covered in caramel and is super sugary sounds fantastic, but I'm not going to be able to have any. So if the state of the union is next Tuesday, looks like I'm going to have to have some gals over or head over to somebody's house with an hors d'oeuvre in my hand to watch the state of the union with friends so that we can dissect and pick apart every little bit of it. Uh, I am just, I'm dying to hear what the president has to say. Uh, so that's the fact sheet from the White House. I will tweet this out individually in different tweets. You can find me at Stacy on the Right on Twitter. Let's go back to the phones, Jake in Arkansas. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. Thank you, Stacy. And I thank God that I met you on the radio first, and now uh, I follow you on Facebook. Oh, thanks. <laughs> in my phone is program. When you come on, it reminds me that you are on. Nice. (laughs) You signed up for notifications. That's great. My question is, why is the illegal people going and protesting in America? If we go to Mexico, call ourselves going to protest, we would end up in jail somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's their law. That is their law. It's actually the law in uh, Mexico that if you protest their government, any citizen can citizen arrest you and put you in jail. And if you're there illegally, any citizen can arrest you and put you in jail. They don't put up with this drama like we do. You you make a great point, Jake. And thank you for getting notifications so you don't miss the program. Um, For our terrestrial listeners, we love that you listen on our radio programs, our radio stations across the country in 32 states, um, 800 communities. We so appreciate you as well. And we love our live stream audience, everybody. We just love everybody coming in in whatever form they like to uh, connect with the program. Let's go to Ed. Hey, Ed, thanks for calling the show today. Hey, Miss Stacy. Uh, God bless you, and, and thank you for your uh, input and insight. Thank you. And uh, thank you. I got one question that I don't 
hear very many people talking about when you uh, adopt a child. I had a, a Christian. Uh, I, I'm a Christian. I'm, uh, a friend of mine who tried to adopt a kid uh, from across the water, and the CDC required all kinds of health papers for this kid before they would even consider allowing that kid to come to America. Even with our animals, exotic animals, when you get animals, you know, from from oh. other countries, you have to have a big, big uh, uh, health records. But and I don't understand. Nobody's talking about the health risk of uh, uh, what the CDC requires, and how come they are not requiring the same from these immigrants that are coming forward. I'm gonna hang up and listen to you. Thank you. Thank ma'am. you, Ed. So Thank you. I appreciate that. The question is an excellent one, and um, I don't actually understand. I've I've read a little bit about it. I know they do an initial health care screening, but for people who are coming here and claiming asylum, they're immediately released into the country after they're held for a certain number of days to make sure, I guess, that they're not actively carrying any disease. But it certainly can't be as comprehensive as what children who are being adopted go through, as you just mentioned. And I think it's really interesting that that's where we are. Like, we have two standards. I keep going back to it. Two standards, one for citizens and then one for illegals. And if anybody should be getting special treatment, it's our wounded veterans, our combat veterans, our service-disabled veterans, our homeless population, people who are suffering from mental illness, and they, they need care and therapy, and they need a place to live, and they need to be cared for. These people are out on the streets by the hundreds of thousands. We also have people in America who, as a previous caller said, have paid into our system, paid taxes, paid health insurance, and then when they're sick, they're still stuck with a lot of bills. And it is a, it's, it's a very careful dance you have to do when you have someone in your family who's ill because even with a Cadillac plan, you're still facing tens of thousands of dollars of out-of-pocket costs. And I know we all have to be grown-ups and take care of ourselves, but why do we have to take care of everyone else in the world? America is not the mama and daddy of this entire world. I don't even know, like, what? So anyway, if you're just tuning in, this is the end of this part of the program. If you're leaving, God bless you. Have a fantastic weekend. And thank you for making American Family Radio your home. If you're sticking with us, you have OneNewsNow.com news and information up next, and then me.